Hello there friends, this is Spencer Michaud, and today we're doing a special Aquarius season Q&A session. So we're just going to hang out for a few hours here and take some of your questions, whether they're related to astrology, uh, gardening, the news, whatever's going on in your life. Uh, I'd be happy to answer questions for you. Uh, the tarot, the I Ching, symbolism, all of those things, sports, whatever is uh, pouring forth from your Aquarian urn. Um, if you could do me a huge favor, if you have a question today, put question in all caps before it in the chat, and I'll try to get to it. If you have a question about your specific natal chart, please include your birth information, the time, the date, and the place that you were born, and I'll try to get to as many of those as I can today as well. So, uh, we're going to welcome a few friends in here today. Stephen the Jupiterian is joining us here from California. Nice to see you, Stephen. Hope you're doing well here today. My friend Hannah Kuhari is here. Hello, Hannah. Nice to see you. Hope you're doing well. Hannah's an amazing astrologer uh, and a good friend, so hopefully uh, you're doing well in your neck of the woods and your, your favorite hockey team is treating you well. <laughs> Uh, Tarja is here from Finland, says hello from Finland. Nice to see you, Tarja. Uh, hope that you're doing well over there in Scandinavia and um, staying warm and uh, that life is treating you well. Uh, so if more friends are stopping in, just throw it in the chat there and let me know that you're here. A couple announcements before we get, get to it today. Uh, if you are unfamiliar with the work that I do, I am a professional astrologer, um, and I have readings that are available at my website, spencermichaud.com. You can find me and book here at spencermichaud.com. Uh, you can book a natal reading. You can book a transit reading. You can book a quarterly check-in, a specific one-question uh, session that is much more focused uh, towards one particular question or issue in your life. We can do a Trinity Big Three mini-reading and um, all sorts of different options for you. So check that out on my website, spencermichaud.com. Uh, make sure you're following me at Twitter, uh, at Spencer Michaud on Twitter and Instagram and threads. Uh, a couple other things before we roll into it. I am having an Aquarius season sale. So if you are enjoying the work I do with the Deccans, I have a webinar series where I talk about the Deccans in, at length. And this season, the Decans of Aquarius is on sale. These are two and a half to three hour webinars where we talk about tarot, the I Ching, astrology, mythology, fixed stars. Um, we really do a deep dive on these 10 degree sections. So check that out, 20% off until the end of Aquarius season, which ends on February the 18th. So this is kind of last week to, to get going with that. Um, let's see. My beautiful partner, Tanya Andrews, has a magical business called Third Coast Mojo. She also has some really interesting offerings here, including a Saturn and Aquarius offering called Scientific Method. So check that out at Third Coast Mojo through Etsy. She does great work. There's all sorts of planetary offerings that she, that she has conjured up for you with uh, Mercury and Virgo. Um, she's got some Jupiter and Pisces stuff, Saturn and Aquarius. Uh, I, I, a little birdie told me that there's some Mars stuff coming soon. So if you wanna know when that's coming, uh, sign up for her newsletter or my, my newsletter. We, we do announcements via both of those platforms and um, check her out. Support, support her magical business. And then finally, if you'd like to support the work that I'm doing here today, uh, two ways you can do that. Three ways. You can sign up for a reading. 
you can purchase webinar. You can do a super chat or a super sticker here in YouTube if you're following along with a little dollar sign in the chat today. Or you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com, uh, which really helps support the work that I do. That's the, the main fundraising platform that I utilize um, to support the, the hours and hours and hours of free content that I put here on YouTube for all of you. So check that out. And of course, happy new moon in Aquarius. Today, we're not quite there yet. We are in the final hours of the balsamic moon. So maybe tying up some loose ends, getting some clarity, releasing things, uh, giving, getting rid of stuff. I've been going through a lot of purging in the last few weeks. We did some clean out of our attic recently, which was, you know, there's some moments when you're, when you're getting old energy unstuck, but it's, it's starting to feel really good afterwards and starting to open up new opportunities for us in our life. Um, sometimes you got to get rid of the old before you can let the new energy in. So we'll talk about that today as well. Uh, that's going to be uh, perfecting or becoming new around 6 o'clock Eastern time. So make the appropriate adjustment for your time zone. I'm just going to welcome a few more friends in here. Robin Nadira says, hey, Spencer. Robin from Heldsburg, California here. Nice to see you, Robin. Hope you're doing well today. It's nice to see you here in the chat, my friend. Dragonfly369 is here from Toronto. Nice to see you. That's a new name. I love your little dragonfly tattoo there, my friend. So welcome, uh, my friend from up north. Devin Malone is here. Says, hey, Spencer. Katie sends her love and concerns about Pat Bev. <laughs> That's funny. Devin is uh, referring to a, an NBA player named Patrick Beverly who recently got traded to my favorite basketball team, the Milwaukee Bucks, yesterday, who he's a bit of a pest. He's a defensive annoyance. And uh, you love him when he's on your team. You hate him when you play against him. There's a little bit of drama because one of the, the players that the Bucks recently traded for, Damian Lillard and, and Patrick Beverly, have some beef with each other. So hopefully they can let bygones be bygones and put their beef aside so that they can unify towards the uh, shared goal of winning a championship in Milwaukee. So nice to see you, Devin. Uh, Steven says, with this new moon energy, is it the best time to write a book? Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, you will be the first one in the, uh, the chart that I pull up, Steven. I'm going to um, take a look through here and see if I have any more friends that I have to welcome, but I will bring that up in a second. Devin says, I've been using the dark moon for deep grooming and spa day. Ooh, I like that, Devin. I like that. Uh, it always is good to practice some self-care while we're getting ready for the new start. Laura Elizabeth says, hello from Crown Princess Ship sailing to Mexico. Oh my goodness, Laura, thank you for joining us today on your special cruise. That sounds fun. It's nice to be able to get some sunshine and be near the water, I'm sure. Uh, Carol says, grateful for the channel. Nice to see you, Carol. And I know you've got a question here too. And we'll, we will... I'll try to get to that question too. And thank you for putting that in caps so that I can I can be able to see it. Okay, let's start off with Stephen's question here. Stephen says, with this new moon energy, is it the best time to write a book? So I'm going to put Stephen's chart into the chat. And if you have a question uh, related to your specific chart or to uh, astrology as, as a learning tool, um, I will I'll hang out with you all for a few few hours here today answering questions and uh, doing the best that I can to, to guide you through the stars and through the challenges of whatever's going on. So, 209, 
A.M. Masset, man, man, Hassett? Manhasset, New York. Stephen the Jupiterian is a Pisces, right? But with a, with a uh, Sagittarius rising. So I'm going to bring Stephen's chart up to the screen here. And I'll make it bigger so everyone can see it. So Stephen has a 22 degree Sagittarius rising with the sun conjoined the north node in Pisces at 11 degrees of Pisces. He has an exalted Venus in the fourth house in Pisces. He's got Mars in Aries, Saturn in, in uh, Taurus, opposing Jupiter in Scorpio in the 12th and 6th house axes. And then he has a Uranus, right, conjoining the MC in Libra in the 11th house with Mercury very close. Stephen, that's actually a great question. And the, the short answer that I have for you is this sounds like it would be a great time to start a book. Uh, here, here is why I say that. Look at the if we look at the the new moon. Let's take a look at this new moon. It's actually hanging out right near your natal Mercury. How cool is that? So we have a new moon right near Stephen's natal Mercury, and within four degrees in the third house, which oftentimes astrologers have associated with communication, with writing. Um, I think that your Hermes is a scribe, so being able to utilize the energy of Hermes in your chart to be able to start a new form of communication could be very well supported within this, this um, new moon for you. Uh, we have a square with this new moon to Uranus in Taurus. So one of the things that I think is really important to know about this lunation cycle is that you're, we will have to shake up our routines a little bit if we want to utilize this energy to the best of its ability. Um, Uranus and Taurus too is really about finding a new rhythm, a new routine that will help us to become productive into the future. Now, you may have to revisit some of your old patterns and some of your old daily habits, Stephen, uh, to make sure that you're not self-sabotaging or anything like that that's often the 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 enemy of creativity is when we try to become too much of a perfectionist um, when we feel like we just don't have enough skill or talent or time or all of these things or we fill our time with things that are not moving us in the direction that we want to head in so i think that it, the yes it is a, a fortuitous time to start writing a book for you um, but with the caveat of saying that it's important to be able to unravel, okay, like we are talking about the, the knot with this new moon. Austin Coppock calls Aquarius 3 the knot. Uh, it's important for you to unravel some of the old ways you've structured your time that may have prevented you from doing this work in the past. Now, maybe there, you had good reasons for doing things the way that you did it in the past. But now to be able to achieve this, this new goal that you have, you may have to say, well, this part of my daily routine really was helpful. And this other part was actually pulling me away from my chosen goal. And to, be, to set boundaries with that. I was doing a little reading this morning with one of my favorite astrology books, A Tiny Universe, Joy Usher, preparing for this here today. You can see here's a copy of that. She's an Australian astrologer. 
and I was rereading her section about Aquarius and Saturn. Saturn is a boundary setter. And, you know, in Capricorn, it's trying to set physical boundaries. But in Aquarius, we're setting mental boundaries. We're trying to, you know, craft a blueprint that will help us to utilize our thought process to create the world that we want to create. Now, sometimes, as Joy Usher points out, we can create something of a glass ceiling where we create doubt. Saturn is a planet that can create doubt within us often. And through being able to shatter that glass ceiling and to be able to move past some of the restrictive thoughts that tell us we can't do this, we can burst through to the other side and make progress. So knowing how, how Aquarius will try to almost talk us out of doing things sometimes, um, it's good to know that because when you, when you inevitably come up against that, that inner critic, that inner voice, you know, learning that you'll have to, to push yourself beyond it will help you get through to the other side. I was listening to another really good interview with a, like a neuroscientist, and they were talking about a portion of your brain that starts to grow once you push yourself to do things that you don't want to do, and how that part of your brain is actually connected to longevity. So oftentimes to be able to be healthy in, in with our brains, with our physical beings, with our spirits, we have to push ourselves to do things that are difficult, that we just don't want to do. And sometimes it feels like writing is like that too. I've, I've been a, you know, a songwriter in a, a different iteration of my life in the past, and sometimes writing in the creative process was some of the most painful experiences I've ever had because it's like it's the labor pains of giving birth to a new creative thing. But once you push through to the other side, it feels so good and it's it's a relief. So Stephen, I wish you luck with that. Uh, and I hope that, you know, your creative process goes well. The other thing I can just say, Stephen, as advice is you've got a really, really nice new, new moon solar eclipse that's coming in your fifth house of creativity. So that's going to be coming towards the, the, the beginning of spring, you know, late, late March, early April. Uh, so, so check that out as far as timing when you could launch this enterprise. I think this is a good time to just get clear about what your vision is. Okay, hopefully that's helpful, Stephen. All right, Stephen says, thank you so much, Spencer. Thank you, Stephen. I appreciate you, and I appreciate your question. Okay, let's look at some new questions here. I'm going to go back to the current transits on the screen. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Carol says, question, the difference between Uranus square versus Uranus opposition. That's a good question, Carol. Um, let, me, let me think about that for a second. I think that, first of all, we have Uranus has an 84-year cycle if I'm not mistaken. So we will experience that Uranus square, if I'm doing some math correctly, about, what, 21 or so? The Uranus square at right around the college years, uh, depending on if you went to college, if you were getting out on your own as a young adult. Um, a lot of times at that point in our life, we're having some of our childlike illusions shattered and we're having to have a completely new way of relating to the world that doesn't include dependence on our parents. Um, at the Uranus opposition, 
uh, which usually happens around early to mid 40s. I'm going through my Uranus opposition right now at age 43. Um, sometimes there are a different identity crisis that comes when oftentimes when your kids have grown up and they've moved out of the house and you're trying to figure out who you are and the, the types of experiences that you want to pursue as you take stock of the life that you've lived up to this point and try to have a vision for the future that you want to live through through your remaining years. Um, I tend to think of Uranus in the way that Robert Schmidt describes it as what he, he describes as a transcendental sun. If we had to ascribe a, a, a traditional planet to Uranus, the sun would be the closest thing to it in Schmidt's opinion. And really, it's sort of like a, the sun gives us a sense of identity. It's, it gives us a, a singular point of consciousness. It gives us clarity to move forward through our own choices and our own actions, where oftentimes the moon represents the, the actions and choices that come to us where, that we need to receive that might be operating below the surface of our life uh, unconsciously. So, you know, you have another Uranus square um, if we add another, what, 20, 20 years, 20-ish years to it, you know, in your, uh, well, let's see, mid, mid to late 60s, potentially. So I'm sure that that's another point in our lives where we are reevaluating our transition from middle age to our elderhood and, and trying to see how we want to live the last, you know, few years, few decades of our life, however much time we have. Uh, to be able to tie up any loose ends that we've had with our lives. Our bodies are constantly changing at every single stage, but we may be dealing with differences in our energy levels and uh, having to come to terms with things that we can or can't do, um, which everybody has to come to terms with, those limitations potentially. And then hopefully, you know, if we're lucky enough, we get to to get back to the Uranus return at about age 84, where we maybe we're honored for something that we were able to do throughout our lives. I, I've often seen people at the, uh, like the United Astrology Conference, for example, uh, there are people that wear this, this purple banner. Uh, they're saying, I've, I've, I'm experiencing my Uranus return. And, they, and sometimes they're getting a Regulus Award for a lifetime achievement or, or service in astrology or something like that. So oftentimes there's a breakthrough of recognition at the Uranus return. So I hope that's helpful for you, Carol. That's a great question. I appreciate you being here today. And I'm yeah, I'm grateful for you being here. Oh, let's see. Tracy says, oh, we got some good questions coming in here. Tracy Chaplin, hello, my friend, says, hi, Spencer. Question, I have the new moon on my moon. Any thoughts? I have some real push to restart my own business. What do you think? All right. Well, Tracy, let me pull your chart up here and put your details in. So Tracy was born on June the 24th, 1959, uh, which I believe is the year of the Chinese pig. So happy early Chinese New Year to all of you. Um, let's see, 1447, London. Yeah, this is going uh, to, I did do an I Ching and an animal for you, and we'll, we'll break that down, when, and it'll be related to the, the, the year of the wood dragon. Um, so we're going to be moving into the wood dragon year, 
It's interesting times. I'm, I'm excited for it. I've been like, that's what I've been doing is cleaning out, getting ready for this new start, this new lunar new year. Okay, Tracy, Tracy. There's Tracy's chart. And Tracy, give me a little thumbs up if you if I've got your chart data correct here with uh, the ascendant at 20 degrees of Libra, the sun at two degrees Cancer in the 10th house, Venus ruling the chart at 17 degrees of Leo with a stellium with Mars and Uranus there in the 11th, opposite the moon at 22 degrees of Aquarius. So I, I'm, I'm guessing this is the correct chart because you're talking about the new moon on your um, natal moon. So here is, let's take a look at this here. Here is the new moon. This is cool that all of you have this these really important chart chart placements being activated by the new moon. So question I have, my, the new moon on my moon, any thoughts? Well, Tracy, uh, the moon in your chart uh, is in that third decan of Aquarius. And, um, you know, we are seeing a new moon that is associated with the seven of swords, uh, where we see a figure, for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, who is leaving an encampment, okay, and being able to take with him seven or five swords, leaving two behind, sneaking away, uh, but in the in the daylight, like kind of doing what would normally be done at night in the daylight. Uh, really interesting thoughts from T. Susan Chang around that with thirty six secrets, and um, she talks a lot about not only leaving a situation behind through frustration, which was talked about a lot in Austin Kopic's book, um, but this is a, a decan where we are trying to utilize our innovation, almost our guile on some level, to be able to unravel a sticky karmic situation, um, where we're trying to get out of a difficult situation through our, our wits. She compares it to like MacGyvering a situation. She also gives a warning in that book about uh, the, what is it, the Rube Goldberg machines where, you know, they're the bunch of little, you know, systems that where they each trigger another one. But if one piece of that is off, it's just, just turns into junk. So we may have these ornate plans with the, the Deccan of Aquarius here that where if one little thing gets kind of off, the whole process can kind of come crashing down. And this is one of the reasons they speak to this duck in uh, about it being a, a, the Lord of futility or like there's some instability within it, maybe through overthinking. So one of the things I think I would recommend right away with this new moon on your natal moon, you know, first of all, we have to look at what the moon represents in your chart. In your chart, the moon has a connection with your 10th house of not only career, but praxis. I know people have been asking me to talk about the 10th house in, in regards to people that maybe are retired or something of that nature. So the, the, the 10th house is about the actions that we take out in the world, whether it's a career or whether it's something that's meaningful to you that you may be known for publicly, publicly or something of that nature. So in your case, there is a connection between the moon and the 5th house, your personal creativity, your, your kids, or if you have them, uh, and the way that you're expressing that out publicly out in the world. So you might be someone who is utilizing your 
objectivity, your, your creativity, uh, your ability to craft unorthodox solutions to help people uh, in, out in the world and create nurturing. And it may, be, it may look a little strange to people because generally, you, you know, you have a, 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 maybe a reputation as a nurturer or, some, or a teacher or something of that nature, but there is a detachment that you have with that nurturing that, that we don't normally see with, with cancer because of the Aquarian objectivity. So this could be just a new start for a creative process for you. This could be like uh, something with your um, b being able to unravel an old karmic tie that's been bringing you some frustration for quite some time. Um, let's see, Tracy is, yeah, she says, yes, the water pig, thumbs up, good. Sorry, my YouTube is lagging a bit. Yes, you can see Saturn opposite the sun and family karma stuff. Yeah, I mean, this is a, that's definitely a part of your natal story with the sun doing the, the almost the exact opposition to a retrograde Saturn and Capricorn over the 10th and 4th house axes. Um, so I think this could be a new start for you for maybe coming to terms with something that you need to release. And maybe it's related to a job. Um, I think that that Deccan helps us to leave behind situations that are no longer tenable. You know, it's opposite. The, the third Deccan of Leo generally speaks to standing your ground and being able to dig deep for your own, like, passionate, to defend your own passionate beliefs. Whereas, you know, the, the third decan of Aquarius says, maybe this, is, this isn't a battle worth fighting. Maybe we need just to come off of our fixed position and move on. Um, Susie Chang also talks about making a new start after the flood. Like she compared this decan to like Noah or someone of that ilk, uh, trying to, you know, craft a new society after the flood has washed away all of the other old crap. So that might be part of what you're going through um, in this regard too. Fifth house also is related to ways we seek pleasure. So maybe there's a, a habit or something of that nature uh, with this square with your moon to, to Jupiter in the second house. Maybe there's a habit that you're trying to release that hasn't been good for you or something of that nature. And this could be a, a good time to start that process as well. Uh, keep in mind that this new moon is going to be setting up that big eclipse over your first and your seventh house axes. And then you're going to have a new moon eclipse in your seventh house. So this could be getting, you know, releasing some karmic ties within a relationship that will help you make a, a new start with that. So I hope that's helpful for you, Tracy. Thank you for your support and for your presence here today. Okay. So let's go back. Let's go back. Go back. Let's go back to the chat. Back to the chat. Steven says, it's almost the year of the wood dragon on the new moon getting prepared. This metal dog will need to work hard this year. Yeah, it's uh, wood dragon's interesting. We're, we're going to talk about that towards the more towards the end of the show here today. But dragons, really interesting. Really, uh, Chinese astrology considers them very powerful, very very lucky, some somewhat eccentric. Uh, they're a, a sign of a leader. Um you know, the, the metal dog in the dragon year, that my, I don't know how compatible those two are necessarily. I know for myself as a metal monkey, the, the dragon is generally a good, a good omen around that because they are kind of like trined on some level. But 
you'll have to look at your the, the the Chinese astrology. I'm not. I don't claim to be an expert in Chinese astrology, but what I will say is that it is a very unique system where there's a lot of interactions, much like we see in Western astrology, with different elemental uh, interactions, different trines and squares and oppositions. It's really quite interesting to to dive deep into it, and I'll try to do my best to unpack a little bit of it for you, while also claiming my ignorance as a as a an amateur in that system. Okay, Tarya, hold on, let's, Tracy says, yes it is, leaving behind a lot, really helpful. Okay, thanks Tracy. Okay, Tarya says, would you like to talk about what is the part of astrology you enjoy most, like studying, consulting, teaching, live streaming, etc., and why? Ooh, that's a good question, Tarya. Um, and not the easiest one to answer. I there is a lot of different facets of the work that I do here uh, on the on the channel and my job and my work. I think it changes at different times. I think that there are times when I really like studying and I, I like researching um, and learning new things and buying new books and reading new things. Um, Generally, those are times when the moon is waning and more in its darker phases. Uh, I don't necessarily completely enjoy being visible during those times as a Cancer sun ruled by the moon. Uh, there are other times where sh showing up for these live streams is my favorite part of the day and the week. Um, just being able to interact with the, the audience and uh, have a nice conversation with folks it's it's fun. I mean, I, I really, I'm honored that people will come each week and show up and share their thoughts and we can kind of brainstorm about how the astrology is going to go for the week or the month and talk about each other's charts. That's pretty cool. Um, consulting is its own part of this job. Consulting is actually a lot of fun. Uh, I would say that that's probably one of my favorite parts of the job is being able to just connect with people on an intimate level. When I was a uh, an amateur, <laughs> like when I was not doing this professionally, I would talk to people at like parties and I would, I would, I had a few placements memorized, like outer planets and the nodes and things of that nature. So I, I just got bored at parties talking about small talk and I would just ask people their birthdays and, and have a long conversation about, um, you know, their charts and things of that nature. I'd pull them up on my phone so being able to connect with people in that intimate fashion and to witness them and, you know, to be honest with you, I really love giving advice. I think that as a Virgo stellium, I was talking to one of my friends the other day, really great longtime friend of mine, who is just a really enthusiastic, you know, sh shining spirit. And uh, sometimes he'll come to me with some questions and, and uh, I'm the type of person that will try to give grounded and practical and honest advice. And I believe in, in telling people if it, there is some difficult thing to work through, I don't shy away from that. And recently he and I have been talking about some changes he wanted to make in his life. And at first the, my advice was hard to hear, but eventually he's come back to me and say, man, I'm just so grateful that you've been able to just tell me things in a way that is honest because a lot of people are just blowing smoke up my butt and it's not helpful and I try to deliver both the good news and the challenging news in the kindest most productive way possible and 
just hearing him say, you gave me some really good advice. I was like, man, that's my love language right there is, is somebody taking and using my advice. You know, like maybe that's the sixth love language is like people like actually internalizing the things that you say and, and, and benefiting from it. Because ultimately it, it doesn't come from a place of like, I mean, in the past, maybe there, there's some been an ego involved in being like, I'm right and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not immune to that, you know, there is, it's, it's fun to feel like you're right about something. But at the end of the day, it just feels good knowing that I was able to help somebody and that their life improved and I was able to fix something that had been vexing them through the knowledge of astrology and things of that nature, or that I was able to help them see the way forward and to be able to take action through their own, you know, merits and honors and things of that nature. So yeah, I hope that that uh, helps you with that. And t teaching, Tarya, is probably my favorite. If I'm looking at the end of this here, I love teaching. I've been a teacher since my, my early 20s. I've taught guitar, I've taught songwriting, I've taught at community colleges, I've taught at uh, adult education centers, I've taught webinars uh, online. I love teaching. This is a lot of the reason why my live streams go a lot longer and I embrace the longer format because we're not just giving a horoscope or giving advice, we're teaching concepts as we go. And I think that's what brings a lot of people back to the channel. So that's a great question and, and thank again, thank you for being here. I appreciate you. He says, I know it's difficult. No, it's not that difficult. We're just we're just kind of looking through the, the chats for questions here. Ooh, Tanya's here, says, before this was your job, you would talk to people about their astrology at parties in line at the grocery store and on the street. There you go. This is my lovely partner, Tanya Andrews, showing up in the chat here today. Tanya Andrews of Third Ghost Mojo. Go check her out on Etsy. But yeah, she she witnessed that when we would go out and do social things uh, in the before times, I guess you could call it. Um, I just couldn't help it. I couldn't help talking to people about it because it, it felt like... Um, with my study of astrology, I had a perspective that maybe a lot of people in their lives didn't. Not to say I was completely right about everything or that I had this, you know, the, the be-all, end-all of knowledge, but oftentimes people don't have access to the symbolic language that can give someone a, a new way of looking at their life and, and a new way to accept their own challenges in their life. This is the, the probably the most common comment I get in the reviews that I get of my readings is that, um, that the astrology has helped them see themselves and feel witnessed and understand the, the habits, the habitual habits and patterns that they have within their life. And once you understand those things, it's so much easier to make changes. Um, sometimes we don't have to make changes. Sometimes we just have to accept that that's who and what we are. So there's a balance between those things. Yeah. Okay. Oh, let's see. Other questions. Stephen has a comment. Says, blessings to you all. I love the following. The many times of a new year. There must be four or five different new year moments. The Jewish, fo Jewish folks is Yom Kippur. The spring equinox is the zodiacal new year. Yeah, there's so many. You know, because time is secular uh, and not um, circular. <laughs> circular? Uh, a circle. Um there isn't, there's not always a uh, one beginning and one ending. Every beginning is an ending, and there can be many beginnings and endings along the, the wheel. 
Um, so yeah, I, I, it's really interesting to see where these new starts are for everyone. Yeah, Tracy says, great question. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Let's see. I'm going to get to these questions, but we have a comment here. Devin says, astrology gets addictive because it gives access to a language that we aren't given in our society where people can, where we can talk to people about deeper connections in their life. I agree with that, Devin. It's sometimes it is hard to talk about, uh, you know, non-superficial things with people. And, and this gives us that language, that shared language, that symbolic language to be able to dive into those deeper topics for sure. Uh, Mr. Hindsight, nice to see you, says Gary Christensen would go into bars with an ephemeris. <laughs> nice. I mean, I basically do too. It's, it's called my phone. Like I have basically the ephemeris of, of recorded history in my phone. So, so it's a wonderful tool to be able, and I can pull up someone's chart. I don't have to calculate by hand. I can just type in their data like we did here today. So yeah, it's really interesting times we're living in here for sure. Okay, Inanas Bananas. That's an awesome username. <laughs> Inanas Bananas. Welcome to the chat, friend. It says, what will Aquarius season bring for me? Bring me for love. Bring me for love. I thought Jupiter and Uranus would solidify my relationship, but currently we're on a break and unsure if we will make it. June 11, 1986, Dahran, Saudi Arabia. Okay, Inanas Bananas. That, like I said, that is an awesome awesome username and welcome to the chat so what i'm gonna do inana is i am going to punch your information into the chart and we'll see what we can do i love this format this like q a format i used to listen to an astrologer uh named named mark husson if any of you remember him he was an astrologer who had a call-in show for hay house radio and he would take questions like this and um he was also a cancer so he just had a really gentle way of interacting with his audience and if i can do even a little bit of what mark husson was doing that'll make me happy okay thank you for your patience as i tap in this i don't have like my like uh i don't have a producer <laughs> i'm the producer so Usually the producer would uh, look through this. Okay, so Inanna. E Inanna, hold on a second. I'm going to edit that. I want to make sure that that one's... Daharan. Oh, I got an extra A in there. There it is. So Inanna. I've got you as a Scorpio rising, okay? Two degrees Scorpio rising, and please confirm that in the chat. Yeah, and if you if you know your rising degree, just throw it in there with your data so that when I punch it in, I know if the chart's correct or not. Um, but I've got a, a Scorpio rising, two degrees with Pluto conjunct the ascendant, June 11th, 1986, 2.48 p.m., Daharan, uh, Saudi Arabia, moon conjunct the MC. Okay, good. It is. It is correct. Okay. Um, so, Inanna is asking about what Aquarius season will bring me. And I'm going to 
pull the question off of the chat here for a second, just so that we can see the chart. Okay, so, Inanna, here's what I will say here. Let me just kind of get uh, my bearings with your chart. We've got the sun in the eighth house. Uh, that This new moon is going to be trined. Okay, so this let's look at the new moon. Let's, let's do this in context of the new moon today. Uh, so we have the new moon trining your natal sun. New moon in the fourth house for you, Inanna. Uh, it's going to be squaring Uranus in the seventh. So this is some of the challenges. Maybe they're coming up with the relationship. Um, you have Mars retrograde in Capricorn in the third house ruling the chart. Let's see, you've got a really juiced up Jupiter in Pisces trining the ascendant. That's cool. A lot of dignity in this chart. There's a really nice Jupiter. Mars is in its exaltation. Uh, the moon is very powerful being in an angular house, being very close to the midheaven. Uh, Venus is pretty happy in that decan of, of uh, Cancer. Uh, I believe that Mercury is in its own face in Cancer too as well. So your question is related to relationships and what's going on with that? What's gonna what's that gonna bring us? Well, let's see. I, you know, Uranus is shaking up the relationship from the seventh house. It is encouraging the two of you in your relationship to, to craft some new routines, to get out of the ruts within your relationship. Jupiter is going to come together with Uranus in the spring at about 21 degrees of Taurus and probably helping you to remedy some of the challenges that have been coming up within your relationships. That third decan of Taurus is related to fixing things that have gone wrong and taking stock of, of the actions that we've done in the past and, and humbly accepting uh, you know, the, the, the means to, to bring us change and to say, well, we kind of screwed this up. We need to make a change here. We need to fix this. That, that's my, real, my interpretation of Jupiter and Uranus in that third decan is that it's going to show us what worked and what didn't and really help us to, to break out of our habitual patterns that weren't bringing us success and help us to really remedy and fix some of the challenges. Um, so this is an opportunity for you, Inanna, to really take stock, particularly in, in your foundation, which is represented by the fourth house, your family, how you relate to your roots. Maybe there's something that you have to examine within your home or your living situation or within your family of origin and start unraveling some of that karma, some of that those challenges, so that you can make the new start within your, your seventh house and your relationship. Oftentimes, relationships are challenged by the stories that we inherit from our families, from watching our parents have a relationship. So I have a feeling, Inanna, that if you're able to go back and look at how your folks related with one another, for better or for worse, that can probably give you some insight into how you might be able to, to interact in a healthier way with your current partner. And you may have to make some changes because we're, we're all living out the, the re repercussions of our parents' choices. Now, that doesn't mean that we should just 
point fingers at our at our folks who were doing the best that they could with the knowledge that they had at the time. Yes, they may have created some challenges for us, but we are living our own lives and making our own choices now. We don't have to repeat their patterns. We don't have to repeat their failings, and we don't have to repeat their mistakes. They were teachers for us, and by accepting that they were human and forgiving them, we can start to move forward with our own lives in a way that is healthy and start to create the life that is a reflection of our values rather than just repeating their values. So I think getting clear about what your values are uh, in the relationship and, and how you share those values with your partner can really help you move forward. And this, this new moon could be a really unique opportunity to, to do that. So I hope that's helpful for you and that that speaks to your situation and will help you with your um, with your new start. You're, you know, you're going to be having a new start with that eclipse in your sixth house. So this could be a, a great time to examine the ways that you might get pulled away from commitment, the ways you might get pulled away from completion and uh, make a new start in that regard. Okay, let's go back to it. All right, going through the chat here. So many good questions, comments. Okay. Got to kind of get my bearings back in the chat. Okay. Mr. Hindsight says Uranus opposite Uranus at 41 is one of the most exciting passages we'll experience in our life, a call to make radical changes in our life. Yeah, I'm going through that those changes myself. I, I'm changing my identity from one of a uh, a parent with a child that lives in my home to one who's an adult, you know, an adult child. That's my, been my big Uranus opposition moment. Um, I'm doing a lot more with, you know, astrology and doing that publicly and things of that nature. A lot of the, the barriers that I, you know, decided were challenges to doing things publicly through my commitment to my family, uh, they're no longer there. So there's there's a freedom that's coming with that. There's a liberation, but there's also disorientation that comes with new freedom and liberation. And sometimes it just takes some time to live into the answer. Mr. Hindsight says, to realize ourselves with who we are, who we really are, and to start fulfilling any dreams we put on the back burner. Absolutely. I, I'm feeling that, friend. Feeling that. Finally, understanding and healing your childhood wounding. Thanks. Thoughts from Elizabeth Spring. Ooh, cool. Nice. Um, it's always nice to see folks that are have examined different stages of life. We hear a lot about the first Saturn return and things of that nature, but being able to, to provide guidance for people at every stage of life, I think, is super important. Uh, it's an L. Thanks. Oh, Lananas, bananas, lanas, lananas, bananas. It looks like Ian, Inanna. <laughs> That's funny. Um, well, I'm sorry that I was, uh, you know, not pronouncing that for, properly, but maybe if we're talking about Lanana, like or Lana. But Iana, you should it, because it looks so close to Inanna. <laughs> like, examine that story and the story of Inanna and Arashkagal, um, which is a Sumerian story that is related to sisters, related to going into the underworld and, 
and witnessing someone's suffering and being able to alleviate their pain through just holding space for their, their pain. Stephen says, I was into astrology when Rick Levine was doing astrology with Jeff Jower. I am that old. You know, Stephen, me too. Uh, I was uh, got a lot of my introduction to astrological professionals through tarot.com when Rick Levine was working with Jeff Jower. Uh, so I'm right there with you, friend. Uh, Mr. Hindsight says, when I began astrology, I made a film of a Dane Rudyard talk called The Transpersonal View in 1972. Oh, that's cool. Dane Rudyard, of course, is one of the, the OGs of astrology who wrote some really great, wrote a lot of really great books, actually. And a lot of the literature that we have about lunations and, and um, moon cycles comes from Dane Rudyard via uh, Demetri George. Devin says that Mars-Venus transit for the ruler of the seventh house is definitely challenging harmony in your relationships. Yeah, Devin's referring to Lana or Iana's um, Mars-Venus transit. Let's see. I'm just thinking about, yeah, we've got Mars opposite Venus in that chart and Venus and Mars coming together. Um, yeah, so this too shall pass is what I will say about that. Just just really being able to evaluate the the kind of the how things have gone in the past. And uh, Lana, Lana Yana says, wow, thank you. I really appreciate, appreciate your take. Oh, good. Glad to hear that. Um, hopefully it will bring some clarity to the situation. Um, but yeah, the, the, the fourth house is really everything we keep hidden. It's a lot, we're kind of, you know, driving those things underground. And with your fourth house, uh, I see being in Aquarius there, there may be some feelings of being exiled, of being in a place where you don't belong or you, you know, where there's an injustice where you had to, you know, maybe even immigrate to a different country or something of that nature. And maybe examining those feelings of, of not belonging could, could be a, a great way to, to get some insight into how that's affecting your relationship. Carol's here, Mordo and Wild, says, I'm just hoping I can make it through a day without crying. Oh my goodness, new moon is exact conjunct with my first house Saturn. Oh, I'm sorry, Carol. Hope that you're doing well. I know Carol just recently lost a, a cherished uh, companion, a, a little kitty friend. Um, so hopefully you're doing well out there and that uh, we will provide some solace for you today. Carol says, is there a magic oil for that? What are you referring to, Carol? There's a magic oil for everything. Uh, and if you want to know about magical oils, check out my partner, Third Ghost Mojo. <laughs> like there's, there is Tanya Andrews' uh, Etsy account, Third Coast Mojo. Uh, again, she's got some really cool stuff coming. Um, you know, a little, little birdie told me that there's some Mars stuff coming that I'm really excited about, really cool stuff. So keep your eyes peeled for that. But she has a lot of uh, Venus, Mercury, Jupiter. There's some Saturn stuff in there. There is something for everyone, so so check her out. Uh, and yes, there probably is a magical oil for, for that. You know, Tanya combines traditional uh, root work and the hoodoo tradition with astrological magic and working with planetary elections. So it's really a unique take on the the astrological magic types of things. Um, and it's just there's just the, she really does a beautiful job, and each of her workings that she does is is very creative it's a work of art it's it's a beautiful setup um just really appreciate the work that she does and i'm, I'm slathered in both her stuff from third coast mojo and 
I also, you know, support the, the, the folks over at Sphere and Sundry who do excellent work as well. So, you know, I'm covered in it when I do this, these things here today. Okay. All right. How are we doing? Let's take an opportunity here, friends. Uh, do me a huge favor. Uh, please, please like and subscribe to the channel. Uh, if you are new here, uh, I would love for you to show up each week. We do these live streams every single week. Uh, we're going to take a little stretch break as I give you my little spiel about liking and subscribing. This is an opportunity for all of you to uh, make sure that you are uh, subscribed to the channel, that you do me a huge favor by liking the video, which really helps me to uh, spread the word. It pleases the algorithmic gods and gets our message out to the most amount of people so that we can help more people, right? Like when, with the work we're doing here today, like where we're looking at charts and we're trying to unravel some knots that might have been vexing us for quite some time. When you like and subscribe to the channel, you are increasing the chances that someone else is going to see that and be able to have that same type of help as well. So it's really a service that you're doing not only for me, but for the community. Uh, of course, if you want to make a material donation to the work that I'm doing here today, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com or there's a little dollar sign in the chat, which is called a super chat or a super sticker. And that really helps me to do this work. Um, this is the, you know, we, I show up here for between anywhere between two and four hours a week. And there's a lot of preparation that goes into it. Um, it is time that is out of my day. And that is the best way to support the work that I'm doing here. Um, I don't really do any other type of fundraiser, although I've been considering doing something like a Patreon or something of that nature, but that's still in the works. So this is still the best way to support the channel. All right, friends. Okay. All right. Devin says, can confirm. Love our Mercury and Jupiter oil. Oh, good. Nice, Devin. Yeah, there's good stuff coming from both Sphere and Sundry and Third Coast Mojo. Um, again, both both do excellent, excellent work. Uh, and I'm glad that you're enjoying the, the oils out there, Devin. And hopefully they are bringing you some, some clear thinking and some ability to uh, have faith within the process. Okay, friends. How are you doing out there? Any other questions, throw them in the chat. I'm here for you today. We've been here about an hour. Maybe we'll stay for another hour if there's enough people that want to uh, to keep on chatting, keep on talking. A um, couple other things that we're just working through today. We're, we are in the midst of the new moon in Aquarius 3. The moon is becoming new as I'm recording this. It'll be exactly new around 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we're going to be having the new moon hosted by Saturn and Pisces. I did a big breakdown on the new moon last week. So if you want to see that and see it for your specific rising sign, check that out. You also get to see my journey with uh, trying to purchase ethically sourced clothes, <laughs> which maybe was a little excessive at the time, but so it goes. Uh, you know, we are experiencing, of course, that new moon squared Uranus and Taurus. So we're going to shake some things up here. Uh, the new moon's also showing us Mercury squaring Jupiter as well. So we may have to uh, be flexible about how we utilize our resources. 
We're also seeing Mars near the degree of exaltation, around 28 degrees of Capricorn. So this is really a great time to just kind of uh, make plans for the future and be able to do some of the hard work necessary to set yourself up through the process of delayed gratification. Uh, another thing I've been doing recently is I started exercising again. Um, I'm not a fan of exercise or pain. Uh, I, <laughs> it's hard for me to do things that are difficult. Uh, I, I enjoy feeling comfortable, whether it's in my body or within my space. And having to push myself to the point of discomfort is difficult. But after kind of having some of the experiences that I've had over the last few weeks and feeling just a little backed up and uh, just not feeling great um, and learning about how pushing yourself to do things that are difficult can, you know, help you live longer. Longevity is something that I aspire towards. I had, um, I had grandparents that lived to 97 and 106 respectively. My great-grandparents were married for 70 years, uh, which is pretty incredible. And um, I'm hoping that I can be, join that centenarian club. Uh, but learning about that is showing me that I need to push myself, do things that are hard. And this could be a great time for, for you all to do that as well with Mars nearing this uh, degree of exaltation. Um, the, hopefully the work pays off for you. You know, you have to be strategic about it. I'm starting small. I'm not, you know, over, trying to overdo it. I have a little mini trampoline that I've been jumping on. I do that about 10 minutes when I wake up. And uh, then I do uh, an increasing number of push-ups. You know, started off with 10, 10 push-ups. Did 12 the next couple of days. I did 15 this morning. And I'm just kind of working my way back into it, you know, doing, doing some more, more things. I usually take a walk every day. Um, but I'm feeling like I need to do a little bit more. And hopefully that'll help my brain to work. Uh, I've changed my, tweaked my diet a little bit. All those things can be supported with Mars in Capricorn. Okay. Devin says, can we look at a challenging transit in the further future? Uh, yeah. Let's see. Let's see what we've got here. Anything that's specific that's piquing your curiosity, Devin? Anything that you're, uh, you're, t that you're looking on your radar? Let's see. I always, I always, I don't like to, I don't shy away from uh, difficult transits coming up in the in the future. <laughs> I'll try to give my my gentle take on it. But if yeah, if there's one that you're seeing that's coming up that that is on your radar, throw it in there. Um, I'm just looking through my notes for the astrology of February. Uh, the Mars, the Mars Jupiter might be one that we could go over. July 14th is what Devin is talking. Let's let's look forward to July 14th. Since we're uh, doing some, uh, it's going to be personal. Okay. Uh, let's see. I'll pull that up. Yeah, the July. I, now, I haven't spent a whole lot of time kind of going through all of the, uh, the transits for 2024. Although, I know that we've got that really important Jan uh, Jupiter-Uranus conjunction. We've got eclipses over the... Uh, Aries, um, Libra axes, and we have the Mars retrograde at the end of the year. Oh, okay, I see what we're looking at here. Yep. Okay, so we'll bring this up. This definitely will be probably one of the more challenging aspects of the year. So Devin is looking at this, uh, this elephant in the room here. 
Mars, Uranus. So this is Mars coming together with Uranus um, in the final decan of Taurus. Challenging for a number of reasons. First of all, Mars-Uranus transits often are very explosive. Uh, they are often very, um, they can be unexpectedly violent. Uh, they can lead to accidents that, that you know, come out of nowhere through, through our haste. Uh, and this one is extra funky because Mars is in the sign of Venus and Mars is in its exile. So this gives us some extra challenges because Mars is acting in an unpredictable fashion. So Devin is saying, yeah, it's, it's very personal. It's going to be on top of my son and friend, friend Algal. So Devin is a Taurus son, okay? Um, and, and also pointing out that this specific degree of Taurus is conjoined a very malefic fixed star called Algol. Algol is the blinking uh, eye of Medusa. And the, the Chinese call it piled up corpses. It was something that, it was not a, a very nice fixed star. Now, there are different takes on Algol. If you have an Algol placement, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be a piled up corpse, although we all will be corpses someday. Um, not to be morbid about it, but it's just the truth. Uh, so I think that we have to kind of break it down in, in two ways. So Algol, Algol, if we look at it from a more, if we try to find the good in Algol, first of all, Algol can be a very protective fixed star. It, it can be very violent. It can be very malefic. It warns us against losing our head, right? Literally like Medusa lost her head in the, the battle with Perseus. It, I think it encourages us to have a utilize a righteous sense of anger in a way that is protective rather than chaotic, if that makes sense. Uh, there are some really interesting feminist takes on the story of Medusa that talk about Athena granting her the power to turn people to stone to protect her from the... The, uh, the, the sexual assault that she, uh, that she went through in the temple to Poseidon. Like, I guess the story goes that she besmirched the temple because Poseidon decided to go and, and basically rape her in that temple, but she got punished for it. That's the traditional take on it. There, the feminist approach could be that, you know, Athena is granting her this ability to protect herself. So there could be a situation where you might have to learn how to protect yourself or some someone that you are uh, that you care about. I will say that the I, a way to navigate this, first of all, I think slowing down is is important. Um, anytime we have Mars Uranus aspects, uh, we might feel a need to rush something, and I think that this third decan of Taurus also has some some really interesting significations around rashness. Um, there is a spirit called eight who roughly, that eight roughly translates to ruin. And that Deccan speaks to the challenges of rushing through something and making mistakes. So this could be an opportunity to take your time, 
Like you may feel like there's a situation where you're like a trauma point is triggered, okay? Because maybe there's something in your past that, that is very painful and the Mars-Uranus transit could like trigger that and you may feel like you have to either protect someone or yourself and you may, may take a rash action to do that. Okay, that could could be very violent. It could be something where we lose our heads. Like, uh, but if you know that that transit is coming, and you understand that that Deccan asks us to remedy things of the past through what is called the litai, repentant prayer. Okay, these were the old hobbled women that followed eight, and were able to offer up repentance to a mistake that was made in the past. So maybe there, there's something that's revealed that maybe you did something rash in the past that you will have to go through and fix once again. But if you know that this is coming, you can take extra space in your life. And if you feel that anger within you rising, you can find creative ways. Okay, first of all, right? Mars always loves a, pro a good project, you know? Uh, and so there, there is an Orphic hymn to Mars that speaks to turning the weapons of war into plowshares. So maybe there's something, Devin, you can do to tire yourself out. Maybe there's a, a project that you could do that will give you the space you need and the outlet that you need that will help you navigate this process. You could also, in the moment, when, you, when something comes up that could tri trigger anger, could trigger uh, getting off of your centeredness, you know, I believe Devin is a Libra rising, so getting off balance. Recognizing in the moment that, that that is a possibility, it could you could give yourself extra space to be able to uh, interact with whatever it is through a place of calmness, centeredness. Knowing that when that transit's about to perfect, that you need extra sleep, that you need to make sure you're well fed, that you need to maybe even clear your schedule a little bit so that you're not uh, putting yourself in a position of stress, because for our Taurus friends out there, when we're forced to do too many things, when we're forced to do things without sleep or proper food or proper support or comfort, um, that's when we're at our worst. And I'm speaking from experience as a Taurus moon. If I'm not well rested, if I'm not well fed, if I'm uncomfortable, I'm going to be cranky. And, you know, just because Taurus is ruled by Venus does not mean that they can't have explosive anger. Like Taurus is kind of like, we'll just like put up with it and put up with it and put up with it until we just like go fucking crazy. Like we just explode like a volcano. Every Taurus has their breaking point. And the Taurus that has placements on Algol, their explosion can be some of the most uh, dramatic and, you know, violent. So if you know that about that placement, give yourself that extra space. Don't let the frustration build up to the point where you are experiencing the, the negative sides of this. If you see something building up within yourself, friend, try to, to let the steam valve off, okay? Uh, you know, like, a, like for example, uh, without trying to give too much of your chart away, Devin, but I know that you have Scorpio moon. We've talked about it on the channel. As a Taurus moon, so what I try to do is let off my steam as it comes up. Feel my feelings and let it go. Feel my feelings and let it go. What I've noticed sometimes with my Scorpio moon friends and family is sometimes they will hang on to it, stuff it down, try to turn it into an ice cube in their body, and then it will just kind of 
fester there and then it'll come out sometimes in strange ways. Yeah, volcanic, Devin says, absolutely. So what I would recommend with that moon placement, be very careful about trying to control your emotions rather than feeling them and acknowledging them so that they can be processed and let go. You know, you yourself, Devin, gave me a really good book recommendation. So here's the book that Devin was talking about, The Sand Talk by Tyson Yunkaporta. And I'm in the middle of reading this book, and I am really enjoying it. I, I really enjoy thinking in this fashion, this nonlinear way of thinking. I am enjoying um, trying to think in a way that is connective, the space in between the connections rather than just individual points of consciousness. And I think that this, this book teaches us, Devin, that when we try to bottle up a system, when we try to make a closed system, and the example I was just read was when Aboriginal youth were tasked with trying to save sh uh, shoreline property from uh, eroding into the ocean. And these kids were coming up with plans to, to build levees and like dams and things of that nature. And then there was one kid that went off on his own and was just sitting there contemplating and, and talking about how just trying to, to, to make a closed system is what's going to eventually just fail every single time. Okay, yeah, Devin says, oh yeah, it's all fucked. Exactly, that's exactly what the kid said. He says, it's all fucked. <laughs> like, it's just, and I wonder if I can find this page because it's, it's just really, it's an amazing um, point in the book. Uh, and I want to see if I can find it. Maybe you can help me find that page, Devin. Okay, so here, here it is. Um, this is on page 78 of his book, Sand Talk. Uh, let's see, 78. It says he talks about what he's learned from Pop Noel about the she-oak trees and the underground freshwater flowing beneath them where they grow like that on the coast. Okay, uh, let me go back a little bit further. Um, the children are asked to design an engineering solution to the problem. Okay, like this is the, the everything flowing back into the ocean seems as though this boy is not engaged with the task. He stands under a clump of she-oak trees and stares out at the sea, while others draw and build models of walls and spits and elaborate engines. He appears to be a non-compliant student misbehaving. Maybe I should punish him, humiliate him in front of his peers until he complies with the work task. He is not achieving outcomes, not delivering against performance indicators to close the gap. I walk over and ask him what's going on. He says, well, it's all fucked, he says. Maybe I should rebuke him for inappropriate language. Instead, I ask him what he means. He talks about what he's learned from Pop Noel, about the she-oak trees and the underground fresh water flowing beneath them where they grow like that on the coast. He points out those flows, those flow in, flows into the sea and tracks the subtle movements of the sands out there in the tides and currents, tracing the pathways of constant motion all along the coast infinite while grains swept up and deposited on the new beaches in cycles of cleansing and renewal. He points out a spit in the distance that has been built to block that flow and keep the sand on one beach for its residents, noting that new sand can't be deposited here now because of it. He mentions dozens of other constructions like this along the coast. 
and the dredging of sand further out to sea to deposit on the beaches to maintain them as real estate and public f facilities. Then he turns around and points at the buildings, observing that they are made mostly of concrete, which is made mostly of sand, much of which is dredged from the ocean floor, leaving holes and gouges in the seabed that fill up with sand again. He notes that the sand moves around in its cycles, but never makes it back to the beach. Or worse, the seabed slumps into those holes, and the beach then collapses further into the sea. He says, you can build all the levees you like, but those fucking buildings are going to go back into the sea where they came from. Well, as I always say, if you want to find the next generation of great thinkers, look in the detention room of any public school. So it's just really powerful, right? And here's what I'll say about that. It reminds me of how a Scorpio moon might try to make a closed system out of your emotions. If you try to dam up the emotions, if you try not to let each new emotion pass through you, like the sands on that beach, it will eventually lead to a collapse. It will eventually lead to that volcanic eruption, that volcanic explosion. So how can you create an open system for those feelings, Devin, that will help you to, to process them in the moment? And how can we do that as a community? How can we create open systems that will replenish our things rather than create a, a, a way of just hoarding resources, sand, whatever it is that will eventually lead to a collapse. That's that's what we're looking at with Aquarius. And Devin, another thing about that book that I thought was really awesome is that he, there is a chapter that talks about um, a symbol, three lines in the sand. And it literally looks like this. I'm going to take this off. I'm going to show you this. And uh, let's see here. So check this out. That symbol look familiar? <laughs> what are we talking about today? That looks like the three lines for Aquarius. And he references the space in between individual nodal points and the exchanges between them. And that was a big light bulb in my head when I said, oh, that's Aquarius. It's not the individual point of the sun. It is the space and the interactions between them. We literally see in Aquarius, friend, moving from one space to another. The movement from one space to another in these cards. Okay, We've got the six of swords where we're moving from one nodal point to another. We're, we're moving away from one specific point to another. Here, these, these folks are moving away from one specific point. These are the cards of Aquarius. So the in-between spaces that keep systems alive are another part of Aquarius's secret significations, in my opinion. And it's really incredibly important that we understand that specifically when we are dealing with Pluto and Aquarius and all of the, this Aquarius new moon, all of the planets conjoining Pluto and Aquarius, that we understand the exchanges of ecosystems rather than of singular consolidating points. How do we exchange information with each other? How do we exchange resources with another? How do we form symbiotic relationships with one another rather than just uh, islands of concentration and specialization? Um, it's going to be super important moving forward because when you try to consolidate those things, just like the sand on the ocean, you try to block that flow, you are stopping the replenishment. This is, this is very true about when we try to plant things 
and we try to, to keep growing things in the same space every single month, every single year, every single season, we don't let it regenerate through the natural processes. It becomes dead. It isn't able to provide. And I hope that that's what we learn like throughout this process, because this is the this is really the lesson, I think, of Pluto and Aquarius, is that the systems and exchanges in between individual points of power. All right. Hopefully that was helpful for you, Devin. Says, oh, I feel that. Thanks for reflecting that back to me. Yeah, Devin, you know, here's a cycle of exchange. Devin brought me an awareness of this book. I read this book and reflected my insights to it and reflected it back to him in a cycle of exchange. This is why we share information. We can get each other hip to new ideas and then we filter it through our own consciousness and share it back with one another and that can give us additional insights. This is why we it's important to release the academic ego. Really, that's something that really just rubbed me the wrong way when I was starting a master's degree in comparative religion was the academic ego and how competitive it all was and how everyone's like, this is my idea. This is it's all bullshit. Okay. Like ideas are meant to be exchanged. They don't belong to anybody. And, and if you get nothing from this broadcast today, internalize that and recognize that your ideas can become much more than they could have ever been had you hoarded them, uh, you know, if you exchange them and allow them to be reflected back to you. Tracy says, wow. I'm hoping this is resonating with you, Tracy. Painted Turtle is here. Uh, Painted, Painted Turtle says, also love water violet for Pluto and Aquarius. If you're moving into the modern interpretation of Pluto belonging to that Scorpio moon as well, violets have a very interesting root system that supports community. Absolutely. You become a gardener. You, you become somebody who understands native pollinator habitats. You start to see the interconnectedness of all of this and how even what some people considered pest insects or things like wasps that are annoying, they all play a specific role. If you try to take them out of the system, the whole system collapses. So, you know, th this is something that if you want to if you want to seem like the smartest person in the room, go study nature because there is an intelligence within nature that is so far beyond what we've tried to craft as a human species that if we just surrendered to those natural systems and the interconnectedness within it, um, we, would, we would advance so much quicker towards peace right? if, and towards sustainability. Uh, when we try to just, you know, disconnect ourselves from nature and feel above it instead of stewards of it or a part of it, uh, we're really off track and we set ourselves back and we, we bring ourselves to the brink of extinction because what we're doing is, think about this for a minute, this is a unique Aquarian thought I think is, what we've done is we've removed ourselves from the ecosystem like we try to do when we remove weeds from our yard or wasps from our experience. We're doing that to ourselves. And when we remove ourselves from it, we don't have anything that will sustain us. And we have to reintegrate ourselves into it in a way that is non-exploitive and is symbiotic. 
And Tracy says, yeah, it's not linear. It's a spiral interaction. Absolutely. Knowledge is spiral. You know, it comes to you. It's shared. It comes back to you. Shared. comes back to you. Love it. Big Steph 63 is here. Nice to see you, Big Steph. Says, oh, Lord, same for me, Spencer, but psychology, the rampant egos. I was disillusioned, definitely. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. Like, we all were doing our best when we interacted with knowledge in a certain way. I spent a semester studying comparative religion for a master's degree. And it took me one semester to realize that that wasn't what I wanted to do. I, I was taking classes that were related to, um, actually related to ways indigenous spirituality, but I found it so dry and disconnected that I just, it wasn't alive to me. It was, it was, it was dead. It was treating it like it was a dead thing rather than a living thing. And I didn't resonate with that. And I said, I'm out. I can't do this. That's not what I'm looking for here. I'm not looking to be a uh, a scientific observer of spirituality. I'm, I'm, uh, I desire to incorporate it into my life and to live it in a mystical fashion where it's a part of me and I'm a part of it. So, uh, yeah, I hear you. Um, I think we do need scholars in the world, but as long as those scholars understand those interactive kind of things and, and don't make it about, you know, uh, some kind of weird competitive, you know, ego trip, I, that's where it goes wrong. Okay. Other questions, friends? We've been here about an hour and some change. Uh, do me a huge favor. Please like and subscribe to the channel. If you are enjoying the work I'm doing here today, you can support the work I'm doing by signing up for a reading or buying a super chat or a super sticker today or buying me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. Uh, Tracy says, I love Aquarius relationship with the nervous system and the vagus nerve, which has been so helpful for me to shift this old path. These old patterns in the body, that is what I'm working with at the moment. Oh, good. Yes. Yeah, circulation, right? Aquarius is related to the circulatory system, the nervous system, which circulates messages and information, just like we've been doing here today. It moves fluids and blood around and all those things. And if any of those things stagnate in one particular position, like let's say you have a bunch of fluid that, that gets stagnated in your foot, your foot's going to balloon up and it's going to die, you know, and you're going to have to have it amputated. So keeping your circulation good and keeping our natural circulation functional is going to help things to remain healthy. Same thing with a river. If you dam up a river, eventually it's going to stagnate and it's not going to cleanse itself. Rivers are self-cleansing. If, if you just, it's going to, you know, damming it up is going to uh, create, you know, f flooding that is detrimental it's going to stagnate that water because it's not moving properly. And it's different than a beaver dam. Beaver dams are temporary. They are only going to dam up a certain amount of it for a certain period of time. Then the dam breaks and, it, and the whole process starts over again. With human dams, they are much more permanent. And, you know, we have to kind of start dismantling those things as well. I just, that's a, gr a great metaphor for Aquarius season and the, 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 the water bearer. You know, of course, Aquarius is a, an air sign. Uh, but we have the purifying floods, the purifying waters that need to keep moving to keep clear, uh, to keep things clear. Okay, what else? How are you all doing? Doing good out there? Do me a huge favor. Go visit me at spencermichaud.com. 
That's you can find out when I'm doing new live streams. You can find my offerings. Uh, you can see an archive of old live streams and and talks that I've done. If you want to take advantage of the Decans of Aquarius sale, you can go to the store over there. It's a good 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 way to uh, support the channel. You can also follow me at Spencer Michaud on Instagram and Twitter and Threads. Wherever you get your your bite-sized morsels of social media, uh, I try to. I'm somewhat active on that. I don't really like get into you know long conversations on those platforms, but uh, every once in a while I'll dip my toe in, into one of those uh, types of conversations. Steven, thank you for the super sticker, my friend. Says my Mercury in Aquarius is loving this. Oh, good. Thank you so much for your. Your contribution to the channel, Stephen. Appreciate you being here each week, and thank you for supporting the work that I do. Yeah, I hope I'm I'm giving some new insight into, uh, you know, Aquarius themes. Um, you know, another thing that they were talking about, uh, or that Joy Usher was talking about, and we're we're just you know, kind of breaking down the new moon in Aquarius and looking at charts. Joy Usher also talking a lot about how. Um, Saturn via Aquarius likes to potentially c control the information that we see through only uh, allowing a certain stream to be um, to recognize and casting the rest into darkness. That's one of the downsides and dangers that we have to deal with when we're going through Aquarius season is getting so fixated, getting fixed on one particular outcome that we aren't allowing other perspectives within. And that can be very detrimental. That's the downside that we're going to see potentially with Pluto and Aquarius and some of these Aquarius stack-ups and this Aquarius new moon. Is It's important to stay open-minded, okay? It's important to allow ideas other than the ones that we've, you know, uh, subscribed to, to, to change us. And, and, you know, that's going to lead to better outcomes as well. Okay, it's going to lead to that hive mind rather than that singular focus that leads to stagnation and ultimately death. Okay, how y'all doing? Any other questions? Feel free to drop a question, a comment in the chat here today. We're just sitting here uh, doing a little tea talk. This is, uh, I got my little mate tea. Got some water. We're breaking down Aquarius. We've talked about sand talk by Tyson Yonkaporta. We've looked at a few charts here today. Um, we've talked about nonlinear time and open versus closed systems. We've looked at the tarot a little bit. I do have an I Ching and an animal for you today. If you, if we're uh, all out of questions, we can kind of move on to that, and I can just go about my business for the day. But this is a uh, this is your time. So if you've got a question, throw it in the chat. Let's see. One of the things that's coming up here too that we should maybe look at is the Sun Mercury Sun uh, Saturn Mercury Sun conjunction coming up in the first second of Pisces. That's pretty interesting. I'm I'm pretty excited about that. That is a uh, an aspect that's going to be perfecting on February the 28th. We're going to have a Hellenistic void of course moon leading up to that. Um, we are going to be getting a lot of insight into how we craft meaning within our life. So I did a full breakdown on that in the astrology of February, if you want to check that out. But 
I'm, I'll be curious to hear from you as a community what you are experiencing with all of those different parts of your life coming together. Uh, of course, Mercury ruling Gemini and Virgo, so bringing in those topics in your rising sign. Uh, the Sun ruling Leo and Saturn being the host of Aquarius and Capricorn. So there's at least five topics that are all coming together via the, the Piscean channel. So it'll be interesting to see what comes up for all of us and how we, we go about finding meaning in our life. Well, friends, the chat seems to have quiet down a little bit here today. So I, well, let's go forward to the, uh, the I Ching. Um, I asked the I Ching for us today what type of experience and what lessons we will experience through the year of the wood dragon in 2024. Uh, we are in the final hours of the previous lunar year in Chinese philosophy, thinking, astrology, and we are about to usher in the year of the wood dragon. So this is something that has uh, been on my mind. A lot of the rituals around the Lunar New Year involve cleaning and purifying before the start of the Lunar New Year. So you've got a few more hours if you need to purge some things out in your, in your house and get rid of some stuff to clear up the energy for the new start. So we got hexagram number 32, which is translates to enduring. Okay, uh, This is something where we are looking at how we create longevity. And I find it really fascinating that this hexagram speaks to, it speaks to being able to create longevity through change. Okay. Uh, isn't that ironic? Uh, when I think we've been talking about this today, when we've been talking about the systems related to the sand, okay, related to um, being able to stop the, the, the houses from going back into the ocean. And it's through allowing the, sh the sands to shift rather than to trying to stop them from change. So the way that we actually create an enduring um, you know, energy in the world is by allowing ourselves to change. You know, I'm thinking of, I've been listening to uh, David Bowie a lot this week. I, I posted in my Instagram feed, I always choose a theme song for my my lives. And to this week's live stream was brought to you by Moon Age Daydream by David Bowie. And David Bowie was an artist that endured multiple decades of relevance. And it was because he was able to A, be true to his self, himself and his own vision, but B, to be able to change with some of the musical trends that were happening in the world. And it, it kept him creating art that was interesting, but also true to himself. So we need to be able to continue to change throughout this year of the dragon. Now, flexibility is really important with that. The element of wood is often represented by bamboo in Chinese uh, philosophy, astrology, etc. And bamboo is very flexible. It is something that endures the winter because of its flexibility. It gets weighed down by heavy snow, but it is able to bend. It bends with the wind. It bends with the snowfall. And we might really need to be able to bend 
through the changes that we're going to be experiencing this year. We need to remain flexible. We need to embrace our uniqueness like the dragon. We need to take a leadership role when it's necessary and know when to go into the background when we need to as well. So two changing lines with this hexagram. The first one is at the third place. It says, he who does not give duration to his character may meet with disgrace, persistent humiliation. So Jack M. Balkin says, Perseverance requires commitment and integrity as well as strength of will. Hence, the text says that you must also give duration to your character. Preserve your emotional balance. Do not allow your moods to be swayed by the changing circumstances of the outside world or the approval or disapproval of others. If you let your state of mind become too dependent on the rise and fall of events in the world, you will never know peace because the wor that world is constantly changing. Yeah, so here's the thing. This is going to be a fairly volatile year. We're in an election cycle in the United States. There's going to be a lot of bluster from you know, both political parties. There's going to be a lot of people who are trying to become louder and more violent to get what they want uh, as far as their opinions. There is inherently division that comes in election years. It shouldn't be that way and it shouldn't have to be that way. But this is the reality that we're living in at the moment. So if you are constantly following the ups and downs of a, a, a political year, it's going to be very hard to have that, that persevering, enduring spirit. And I think that's what this changing line is teaching us. Now, that doesn't mean that we completely stick our head in the sand and ignore everything that's going on. We will have a time when we will have to do our civic duty and we'll have to s spread the word about what is important to us and what our values are. And I think that you know each of us is going to have to play whatever role that we will if you're in the United States or if you're watching globally. Um, you know, we're not the only country that's going to have an election this year or be affected by this election. So there, there's all sorts of ways that our, our, our elections affect each other. You know, just like the, the nodes of exchange, we are not an isolated country as, long, as much as we try to be or try to pretend that we're completely self-sufficient. That's, that's just a lie. We all depend on one another. We all share this, this beautiful planet. And, you know, the, the actions that play out in one country affect other countries. I mean, that's just the reality of it. So hopefully we, we will all be able to work through these changes with grace with kindness, I think that a lot of the narrative, especially around the United States election, is choosing anger, choosing hatred. And I hope that there is a counter movement that chooses peace. And it's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be anxious and scared. But if you come from a strong place of love and acceptance and open-mindedness, I think that's going to get us through those periods of time because I, I really do think that this is going to be one of the, I mean, this is really one of the bigger events, at least from an, uh, a United States perspective. Um, I also think that there's going to be really interesting climate issues that we're going to be dealing with in the year of the wood dragon, where we're going to have to learn how to remedy some of the mistakes of the past, some of the mistakes of thinking only in closed systems and consolidation of wealth and of resources. Because even the haves will eventually uh, run out if they 
don't understand how providing for the systems that create the wealth, okay, and, and sharing with others instead of exploiting others eventually leads to their own demise. I mean, this is how, how empires fall, is not understanding that concept. You know, an empire is basically a house that's built on, the, on sand, and eventually it will fall back into the ocean because it has been built upon the ocean materials itself. And that is a system that needs to keep moving and flowing to continue to be relevant and to continue to be functional. There's a second changing line in this hexagram. It says, giving duration to one's character, one perseveres. Good fortune for one in the position of a wife, misfortune for the head of, a, of the household. So this refers to the way that ancient Chinese um, society was structured. It may not be completely relevant for our modern sensibilities, but there are different roles that we play. And I'm not saying that the, the role of the husband or the wife, I don't want to couch it in patriarchal language, but there may be sometimes where we have to play the role of a leader, where we have to play the role of a, of a subordinate or someone who is in the background. Um, and understanding what role we need to play at various different times and the different virtues of persevering through those roles is really important. Not every person, not every time will require us to get up on our soapbox and our stage and exhaust ourselves through visibility, through shouting. Uh, sometimes there will be time to wait for circumstances to change. The I Ching teaches the importance of patience, of waiting, of sometimes being the support in the background. And I think that there are times where that's actually the, the most important action that we can take is to be that support in the background. Uh, and you don't have to play only one role like that in your entire life. There are going to be times where you're the support system. There are going to be other times where you are out front. Um, that's just the nature of the cycle. Right now, there are tiny little buds on the trees in my area. That is the returning of the blossoming of the flower and the leaf. There's been many months where the, the leaf wasn't visible. It was, it was gestating. It was resting. And it needed that rest to be able to build strength for the next cycle. So how can you do that in your own life? Especially when we, when we get exhausted by these 24-hour news cycles, when we are dealing with, you know, events of consequence every day in all parts of the world. How can you recharge the well so that when your time is called upon, when it is time for you to blossom, when it is time for you to leaf out on the tree, that you're ready and that you're not already exhausted by just getting upset at every single twist and turn of fate and fortune. This is one of the kind of the stoic perspectives is that how do we connect with the, the hub of the wheel rather than the outer spokes? If you're constantly you know, letting yourself be, be turned and turned and turned on that wheel of fortune, it's just exhausting. And connecting what is, with what is timeless, with what is eternal, will help you to endure some of the changes. And this hexagram is changing to number 47, which translates to oppression, exhaustion, being, being restricted, hardship, uh, adversity, inner affliction, dried up, and impasse. So this is something where we might really feel kind of burnt out from, from the events of the year. And again, I think that the, the antidote to that is patience, is recognizing that it's going to be a long few months and pacing yourself, okay? A, a tree does not, that, that shoots out like long leggy growth isn't stable. 
So if you, if you grow slow, if you grow a firm foundation, you're going to be able to sustain some of the changes rather than, you know, breaking off in the wind. And we need that flexibility that like things like bamboo teach us. So it's going to be a tough year. We're going to go on this journey together. Um, but there's also some beautiful things that could come through it. I think that with the opportunity to change, we might be able to make some of the idealistic changes that we want to, to, to bring about more equality and fairness within the world. And I hope, I hope that the, the core of the changes that we want to make are about sustaining our collective communities. Because remember, as above, so below, as within, so without, as individual, so community. If you allow the community around you to decay and to, to deteriorate, you as an individual will eventually become part of that decay and vice versa. So it, it's, I think it's really important to understand that the actions that you take will affect other people. There are nodes of interaction in this Aquarius season and in this Aquarius Plutonic season, uh, which is a much longer season. You know, the planets show us that seasons aren't just spring, summer, fall, and winter. That these seasons are decades long. That these seasons are centuries long. These seasons are millennial. Uh, so I think that it, scale is something that is very relative when it comes to this planet. And I keep saying that, that the Earth, time, doesn't really care about scale. That the, the human life that we're living is so small in comparison to these longer cycles uh, and vice versa. Sometimes our life is so long compared to, to other things in our life. Like we, we outlive many things that we're, uh, we, must, we must seem like ancient, eternal beings to, to many things out in the world. Um, just like an ancient oak tree may seem like an ancient, eternal being to us. Okay, so that is the hexagram that I have for you. Uh, let's see. Painted Turtle says... Wow, Spencer, I love what you're reading. So on point. Oh, thanks, Painted Turtle. I'm doing my best. I'm just trying to channel these these symbols and whatever wants to come through today. Tracy says, spring is the wood element. Bamboo, absolutely. So we're, we're getting into a point of time where things are flexible once again, right? Where we're losing some of that hardness of, of winter and, and start seeing the sap flow and uh, able to make some of those changes. Painted Turtle says, I made a Pluto and Aquarius song list to begin the pro to process these next 20 years. Oh, I love that. I love processing through music. I, I very much love just seeing how the music speaks to us and um, eventually hope to maybe, you know, return to creating more of my own music again. I've, I've gone through different cycles in my own life and there were different needs that arose at various times and I had to learn to accept what, who and what I was in that moment. But I do love music, and I, I love the creative process. And creativity also changes and takes different forms. And um, But yeah, music is a wonderful universal language. I'm hoping to do more, more um, nature and gardening things too. I think that's a really ripe uh, avenue for creativity, especially my own, my own, where my own ethics and values are, are pulling me is to connect more and more with the earth and to help educate more people about the interconnectedness of nature and those things. So, but yes, send me the, send me the song list when you get it. I'd love to hear what you come up with. Okay, friends. So let's talk about this animal. And I didn't pull one randomly, 
But I did want to talk more about the dragon since we're heading into the year of the dragon. And I have this beautiful book. It's called Animal Frequency by Melissa Alvarez. And that's where I pull my random animals from. And I wanted to share with you a little bit of Melissa's thoughts on the dragon. She says, Dragons symbolize strength, good luck, and financial growth. Dragon is a magical being that is physically strong, but also has the strength of character that is shown through its wisdom. Dragon is a symbol of good luck in many cultures because it collects gold and jewels, which it guards by sleeping on top of it. So it can also bring good fortune to you. Dragon signifies that you are a strong, wise person. You are very lucky in all of your endeavors, especially when it comes to money and increasing your wealth. So we have some of these issues of prosperity with the dragon, which is exciting, right? I wanted to read to you another interesting part of the lore from dragon energy. And this is the, the, the year of the dragon. And all of the Chinese animals fit into a mythological story. And we talk about the 12 animals that are sacred mythic animals in Chinese culture. Okay, so there's this origin story that we're seeing for each of the animals. So I'm going to read you a little excerpt that uh, it's explains the, the dragon's role. It says, there's an origin story that explains why it's in the fifth place. Legend has it that the Jade Emperor held a race across the heavenly river which to, to decide which animal should have the honor of the zodiacs. Everyone's bet was on the dragon to win the grand prize. On the way to the race, dragon encountered a village suffering from drought. Taking pity on them and stopping to give them rain, dragon was late to the race, losing the top prize with honor and followed by snake horse, goat, and the remaining animals. So even though we have this dragon, this, this prosperous, abundant creature that can collect all of this gold and riches, in the Chinese myth associated with the Chinese year of the dragon, the dragon stops to be altruistic and share its ability to bring abundance to those in need. So consider using your power, using your uniqueness, using your leadership quality to be able to help someone along the way. And I think really this is really the, the key to the dragon year. It's not about how much can you accumulate for yourself. It's how can you be a channel for what wants to flow through you so that you can be a part of your individual ecosystem. You can be part of the exchange that alleviates the suffering of others and in, in, in turn will alleviate your own suffering. I really believe that the key to alleviating our own suffering is to try to help others. And I hope that that's a, an ethic and a value that this channel will, will stand for and that will be shared out into the world and that will be the legacy that is passed on through me and through these symbols and through my voice. So, Friends, that is what I have for you today. I wish you the best of luck on your endeavors into the Chinese New Year. Uh, I am super grateful for all of you who have come today and continue to come to the channel. Again, do me a huge favor. Please like this video. Subscribe to the channel. Subscribe to my newsletter and Tanya's Third Coast Mojo newsletter. You can find links to that in the description of this podcast or video. Uh, go check me out at spencermichaud.com. Follow me at Instagram at Spencer Michaud and on Twitter and threads if you'd like. 
go pick up the book Sand Talk by Tyson Yunkaporta. It's really great. I'm in the middle of reading it, and I would love to hear all of your thoughts on it as well. And, of course, just have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Um, I'm just looking through the chat here. I love these beautiful comments that we're having here. Devin says, very different from a Western dragon that must be slain in order to receive the wealth. Yes, isn't that beautiful? Just being able to see things through a different lens. I, I love it. Uh, let's see, Pain and Turtle says, this channel is a beautiful legacy. I'm very grateful it exists as a wonderful resource for us all. Thank you, Pain and Turtle. That, that fills my heart up. I'm just really happy that it's reaching all of you and, and that it's helpful. Big Steph says, thank you, Spencer. Thank you, Big Steph, for joining us from France and hoping everything's going well your way. Uh, Mr. Hindsight says, the gratefulness is mutual. Thank you, friend. Appreciate you. And thank you, Julene. Julene, thank you, Spencer. It says, thank you for the super sticker. I, I did see you stopping in earlier. I'm sorry I didn't welcome you into the chat, but thank you for being here, Julene, and hope everything's going well for you down in Arizona. And thank you so much for your generosity today. I really appreciate that. It really does help me do the work that I'm doing. And just appreciate all of you who, who are gracing me with the gift of your presence. And then those of you who are able to contribute, really appreciate that as well. All right, friends, that is what I've got for you today. So have a great weekend. Have a great Aquarius new moon. And um, we will see you all the next time, okay? Uh, hang in there. Be kind to yourself. Be patient with the process. Allow yourself to change Allow yourself to go through those changes. Try to create open systems of exchange rather than hoarding. And then uh, I think that'll help create life uh, that will be sustainable. So we'll see you the next time, friends. Take care. Peace.